Good morning. It's the most wonderful time. Like, come on, right? First weekend of March Madness? How many people are like me? You didn't watch a single game all year, and now you are an expert on some 15 seed that you'd never heard of. That's right. You're all all like, oh, I love Loyola Chicago. I've been a fan of them, you know, since Thursday. This is, I love this time of the year. It's so fun. And we're trying to engage our family in it. And so this year we had our oldest two kids fill out brackets. And I thought it'd be fun with my five-year-old daughter if I pulled up a picture in each matchup of the mascots so she could pick the mascot she liked best. So we're doing this the other night and we're, I'm like maybe halfway through. And I realized, because she says, says to me, she's like, I'm just picking the, uh, I'm just alternating. She's like, I'm just picking this, the left side this time and then the right side and then the left side and then the right side. And it's like, Izzy, this is taking a lot of time for me to Google these and pull up these images. Like, I felt like my, there was no purpose to this, right? Like, I'm happy to do it. I would do anything for her. I love her. But she's just go, literally just going like, one, two, one, two. It's like, could we actually look at the mascots? Or if you don't want to, we don't have to. But I wanted there to be purpose to it. You know, I didn't want to just spend time Googling side-by-side mascots for myself. I wanted there to be meaning to it because if there isn't, it feels like it's just a waste, right? It feels like it's, it's, I'm just wasting my time. We want meaning and purpose in life. I don't just want it when I'm helping my daughter pick her teams. I think we want that as people. We want our lives to have meaning and purpose. So what does that look like? We're going to look at a couple different quotes and see what some people say about it. Robert Burns says, The purpose of life is a life of purpose which is totally cheating because you can't use a word to define the word. It's like you learn that. That's like seventh grade English. You can't say that's a life of purpose because the purpose of life. It's the same three words. You just switched them around. So what, what, let's move on to the next one. The purpose of life, this is, I don't even know how to say his name. The purpose of life is to be defeated by greater and greater things. Yeah, I don't know what that means either, but that's like, that's, you see that on like a Starbucks cup. Like it's deep. <laughs> but I'm not 100% sure what that actually means. Uh, Aristotle says, happiness is the meaning and purpose of life, the whole aim and end of the human existence. All right, that's pretty big. And, and he's been dead for a long time and we still know who he is. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's, there's something to that. Moving on, the Dalai Lama says, the purpose of our lives is to be happy. It's to be happy. Ed Victor says, the whole purpose of life is to make yourself happy. So now we're moving from happiness to, like, to being happy to making yourself happy. You really only have to, to look for you. But then Ralph Waldo Emerson says, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be, use- I thought we just talked about happy, but no, apparently it's not. It's to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you've lived and lived well. The hard thing with some of these ideas is how do we define that? We crave purpose. We want our lives to be meaningful. We want to invest them in things of value, but we don't always know where to look for it. Some of those things sound pretty good, but are they really the answer? Are they really enough? Because what happens if I'm not happy right now? Does that mean my life has no purpose? What happens if I'm not contributing? What happens if I don't feel valuable? What happens if I'm in a difficult season of life and it doesn't feel like I have any of that stuff? Is, does that mean my life is without purpose right now? As we continue our series, Man in the Mirror, looking at the life of Peter, we're going to dig into this question today. What, what's, the, 
What's my purpose in life? And Jerry set us up last week when he talked about John 21. The idea that Peter had denied that he knew Jesus three times, even though Jesus told him this was going to happen. And what was probably the single biggest failure of his life, that this man that he loved in a time when he needed him, Peter said, I don't even know him. And once he realized what he had done, he went back home, back to his old life, back to fishing. I would imagine carrying a tremendous weight with him. But Jesus goes and he finds him. And he has a conversation where he asks Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? Giving Peter an opportunity to be restored publicly the same way that he denied Jesus publicly. It was Jesus' way of moving back towards Peter and saying, we're not done. I'm not through with you. I still love you. And if we fast forward from that story, from what Jerry talked about last week, and look forward in the Bible into Acts, we see Peter doing some crazy stuff. In good ways, not in bad ways. He did some other crazy stuff at other points, but this is good crazy stuff. He's performing incredible miracles. He's standing up in front of thousands and thousands of people, boldly teaching about Jesus in public. He's standing up against the religious authorities who wanted to silence him. And so you look at it and go, what changed? Because you have this guy who wouldn't even admit to knowing Jesus, and now he is doing these incredible things out in public in front of thousands with, with no regard to his personal safety. What changed? Well, that's what we're going to look at as we dig into this. John 21, we're going to look at sort of the rest of, of this, this passage that, that Jerry talked about last week, that Jesus and Peter are talking, and he's asking him, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. He's, he's, asking, he's reminding him, telling him, hey, I still have a role for you. I still want you to be involved in what I'm doing. I'm not done with you. And then he says to him in verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, his friend John, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? As for you, follow me. Follow me. Jesus makes this really simple. As Peter is trying to understand his purpose, as Peter is trying to, to regain his footing in his world, all that he had lost when he failed Jesus so miserably, when he, when he denied him, when he said he didn't even know him, Peter's trying to wrap his brain around, what am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? And Jesus outlines it for him very clearly, very simply. Follow me. Our purpose isn't found in doing. It's found in following. So how do I follow? We're going to look at three ways that Jesus calls us to follow him this morning. And the first is this, that Jesus calls us to follow him fully. To follow him fully. Now, what's it mean to follow someone? Think about it. If you want to get to where you're going, if you want to get to someplace new you've never been yet and you have to drive there, what do we do now? You put it in your phone, you pull up your GPS, and you let Google tell you where to go. But back in the day, if, you, if this is 10 years ago, you, you didn't have that luxury. We couldn't do that. 
I mean, back then, maybe you'd have to print out MapQuest directions. Remember MapQuest? What a quaint time, MapQuest. <laughs> Where have you gone, MapQuest? Oh, right, we don't need you. Sorry. Nothing personal, MapQuest. But think about it. If you wanted to get somewhere you'd never been before, you had to follow somebody, right? You, you, you have to follow somebody, follow their car. Now imagine, it's 10 years ago, and you're following someone, and you look down to turn up the music because you're alone in your car, and you really dig that new Nelly Furtado song, but you don't want to listen to it in front of other people and, and acknowledge that you like it, so you can only listen to it while you're by yourself in the car. And, you, and as you look back up after turning up the volume because you were just rocking out, you realize the car's gone. You, you don't know where they are. You missed a turn. What do you do? I guess at that point, you're gonna, I guess I'm not going. When we take our eyes off the one we're following, we lose sight of the direction we're supposed to go. And that's why Jesus calls Peter, he calls us to follow him fully, to keep our eyes on him. Follow me here really has the flavor of keep on following me. It doesn't mean follow me for a time. It's not follow me in the future, but it's follow me and keep on following me. And what I find fascinating is one of the first things that Jesus said to Peter that Jerry talked about when we started this series back in Luke 5 is the same thing that he says is one of the last things he says to Peter right here. Follow me. Peter's experience with Jesus is bookended by those statements. Peter, follow me. Follow me. Jesus goes on in verse 22 to say, I love this. I, I think this is funny. I think this is funny. Peter is like, hey, what about, what about John? And Jesus goes, Listen, if I want him to, to, to stay alive, what do you care? Was, you don't have to worry about that. You do you, Peter. You take care of you. I got this stuff. You, do, you, got, enough, you got enough challenge. You taking care of you. Don't worry about John. I'll take care of John. John, you know, and I wonder if John's going, I, I hope I get to live. I mean, that would be great. But he's saying, I don't worry about John. Worry about you. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Follow me. I think there's hope in those words. I think there's purpose in those words because Jesus was challenging Peter to make fulfilling his purpose his main concern. What he's telling Peter and what he's telling us is that we won't know everything. Everything won't always make sense to us. There will be things we don't understand. There will be times that, that it's, it's confusing, that we won't be able to wrap our arms around it. But Jesus doesn't ask us to understand everything. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. He challenges us to fix our eyes on him. And we see this idea in other parts in the Bible. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, we see it talked about. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Wait for it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on fixing our eyes on Jesus, focusing on him, not on ourselves, focusing on him, not on others, focusing on him fully and completely and seeing everything else in our life in light of him. Jesus gives him a simple command, not easy, but simple, follow me, follow me. Friday night, obviously, something crazy happened. For the first time in 136 games between number one seeds and number 16 seeds, a number 16 seed won. So if you're keeping score at home, 16 seeds are 
one for 136, which is not a great rate. But it's an, it is the single greatest upset in college basketball. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and what I find fascinating is that I really doubt that Ryan Odom, who's the coach of that team, stood in front of his team in August and asked them to be the first ever 16 seed to be the number one seed. I doubt that's the vision he laid in front of them. I imagine that what he did was start by asking them to trust him. I bet he wanted his players to buy in fully, to wholeheartedly commit themselves to that team, to a common goal, and to each other. And because they were willing to do that, to buy in fully, to dive in, to be committed, to to say, I am in for this, that simple step snowballed into what happened Friday night. That's such, such a cool picture. Because following Jesus means that same thing. It means following completely, diving in, being all in. It means saying, I want to buy into what you're saying, Jesus. I want to be a part of that. I don't understand everything, but I want to be a part of that. Because if I am, when you do ask me to do bigger things, I I will trust you. I will know that you are capable of making that happen. Following Jesus means following him completely. It means knowing him and loving him for who he is, not for who we want him to be. Peter didn't want Jesus to be crucified. That didn't fit Peter's worldview. It didn't fit his understanding of who he thought Jesus was supposed to be. He's invested his life. He gave up everything to follow this man. He believes he's he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. And yet he dies? He dies on a cross? How could that be? I don't blame him for being terrified. I would be too. He's put all his eggs in this basket and yet the story ends. It didn't fit his worldview that that could happen to Jesus. Are you willing to know Jesus for who he is, for who he actually is, and not who you want him to be? Are you willing to know Jesus for who he is and not for who it would be convenient for him to be, and to know him fully, to follow him fully? Maybe you're here and you don't yet know Jesus. We're glad you're here. And I'd ask you, are you willing to? Are you willing to learn more? Are you willing to ask Jesus to make himself real to you? Are you willing to to engage in that experience? Are you willing to? Because Jesus calls us to follow him fully, not as a part of our life, not as a thing we add in, but as our focus, to be wholly committed. And the second thing that Jesus calls us to do is to follow him fearlessly. Follow him fearlessly. Fearlessly meaning boldly, right? Meaning Things may be hard, things may be rough, but taking the long view, taking an eternal view to say, God, I I trust that you know what you're doing. Something crazy happened in Peter's heart, right? He went from being afraid to admit that he knew Jesus to a servant girl he'd never seen before to standing in front of thousands of people teaching about Jesus with no regard for his personal safety. What brought about that kind of change? That's a big change. What brought about that kind of change? What, what made him that fearless? I think it's even crazier when you realize that Jesus told him that his time on earth was not going to end super well. Like he didn't paint this super rosy picture. Verse 18 says, you will stretch out your hands. And that's an expression used at, at, by writers to reference the crucifixion, an incredibly painful and public and humiliating death. Jesus said, this is where your, your story on earth is going to end. And yet that didn't dissuade Peter from what he did in the future. That didn't 
turn him away? How is he less afraid now? As one writer puts it, Jesus told him that new danger and a violent death were in his future. I think what changed for him, what enabled him to live fearlessly, is his understanding of Jesus. Jesus made this possible. Jesus, at this point in the story, had been resurrected. God had raised him from the dead. And so he's going, what left is there to fear? I don't even have to fear death anymore. If death is not more powerful than Jesus, then, there, then nothing else could be. I think he's looking at fear going, you don't, you don't have anything for me anymore. It's all been stripped away because think about it. He's already failed in probably the greatest and most spectacular way he probably could. And yet Jesus still loves him and seeks him out and restores him. What does he have to be afraid of? God knows our hearts. God knows us. He knows our pain and our baggage and our secrets. And in spite of all of that, he loves us deeply. Folks, I want you to hear that. He knows those things that we desperately don't want people to know, the things that we bury in our hearts, and yet he loves us anyway. We don't have to be afraid. That's the hope of Jesus. Fear can be removed because there is nothing that could stain us anymore. God knows the worst of us and he loves us anyway. He removes that fear, the power of fear. But it's not always easy to make that adjustment and make that change. It's not always easy to buy in that way, right? Because having a new purpose like this, having a new purpose following Jesus, it it may not always feel natural at times. Imagine you travel the same way every day, the same way every day. You, You wear out the ground until eventually a rut develops, right? A rut develops like this. Yeah, you're in it there. I mean, you're, you're in it. Now, at, at this point, you're like, it's just easier to keep going straight, right? I guess we're not going to grandma's today. Because we can't turn. I mean, we're just going to keep going, I guess, till this road ends. Because when it comes to getting out of a rut, it, it's hard to make it. That's deep. It's hard to get out of that. You may not be successful at first. It may take time. It may not work the way you want it to. And, and there are times it will absolutely be easier to go, forget it. Let's just leave the car. Following a new path can be hard when we're stuck in an old one. Moving to a new path can be difficult at first, but once we get going, once we get out, it's easier to keep going. It's easier to keep momentum. That's true for us, that sometimes we get stuck in a rut, that we live out the same pattern, the same lifestyle, the same habits. We're just stuck. And the thought of changing is so daunting. It's like, it's just, I know this isn't great, but it's, this is what I know. And it's easier for me to stay here than it is to be different. But Jesus, following Jesus, allows us to live fearlessly. Because all of the things that would keep us from making a change, fear of failure, fear of getting it wrong, fear of what other people are think, those things are gone because God already knows all that about us. And he loves us in spite of it. What fear keeps you from following? What are you afraid of losing? What are you worried will happen? The third thing that Jesus calls us to is he calls us to follow him to freedom. Calls us to follow him to freedom. We often think that our purpose is to find our own fulfillment, to do do what we want, to find our own joy, 
And my question for you would be the same question for me. How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Finding your own meaning and purpose, filling your life with, with relationships or success or achievement or, or stuff, filling your life with those things, finding purpose in that, is that meeting the, your needs the way you hope it will? Does that quiet the voice in the, in the still of your heart? Does that fill you up the way you want? I think we always are empty when we pursue that stuff because it's never enough. When Peter denied he knew Jesus, his purpose in that moment was looking out for himself, was to avoid pain, was to avoid embarrassment. I think Peter would have given anything to go back though and do that differently because pursuing his version of fulfillment did not get him what he wanted. He went back to his old life after that and I think he carried the scars of that failure with him because he knew his old life wasn't enough. He'd already been there. It wasn't filling that need that he felt in his soul. Folks, following Jesus means saying no to ourselves and yes to him. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, that sounds a lot like the opposite of freedom. That, that doesn't sound a whole like, lot like freedom because you're saying give up control to someone else. Yeah, that's, that, that is what I'm saying. You're right. And that is a hard thing to wrap our mind around. But folks, we're giving up control to the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. It is so easy for us to believe the lie that we are the expert on us, but the reality is the God who created us knows us infinitely better than we could know ourselves, knows our hearts, knows the way we work, knows our needs, knows our desires, and knows that the only way those are fully met is in him. Jesus wants us to experience freedom. Following leads to that freedom because it breaks us free from the prison we've created for ourselves, a prison of fear and shame and guilt and expectations. When we're willing to let go of the things we hold onto so dearly, so tightly, we find that God gives us something so much richer, so much greater, and so much more purposeful. When we let go of the wrong things we turn to, when we let go of, of where we find our identity and our value, when we let go of those things, we find God gives us something so much better. In fact, God is saying, open your hands so I can give this to you. It's like God wants to give us a $50 bill, but our fist is tightly wrapped around three dirty pennies. God is saying to us, let me have that because what I have for you is so much better. It's so much richer. Back in the 17th century, a group of church leaders got together to try and write some stuff. How could we teach people? How could we give them some tools to better understand who God is? And, and then particularly, how could we help children understand these things? And so they wrote what's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it's a series of questions and answers. And, and you may never have heard of that before. It's okay, it's pretty nerdy. If you have, thank you for not making me feel alone in my nerdiness. But the first question I love because it's very profound and it's very simple. It says, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? And that sounds a little archaic. Yes, they wrote it in the 17th century. That's how they talked. But the answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Think about that. Enjoy him forever. 
Not be a mindless slave, not do whatever he says without thinking, not be miserable, but enjoy him. We are supposed to enjoy God. We, we have the privilege of enjoying him. When we make following Jesus this miserable sense of duty, we miss the fact we're supposed to enjoy it. And not that we have to like grin our teeth and bear it like we enjoy going to, I don't know, your third cousin's wedding that you didn't really want to go to, but you have to go. I mean, we enjoy things that we love. We enjoy our favorite things. We, we get to enjoy him. God doesn't want us to endure him. God wants us to enjoy him. What's the best meal you've ever had? I want to give you a couple seconds. Think about it. What's the best meal you've ever had? I'll know if you're not thinking about food here. A couple years ago, someone gave my wife and I a gift card to go to a really nice restaurant in Chicago. We don't do that a whole lot. Um, and we went to this, we, you know, we don't know where we're getting into. We go to this place, and I, I'm not super fancy because I can't eat super expensive food because every bite of steak, I'm like, was that $5 worth? I don't know. We go to this really nice place, and oh my goodness, it was so good. I mean, it was unbelievably good. It's like, could I just move in here? Would they notice it was, I was got steak au poivre, which I'd never heard of before, but it's this peppercorn sauce, and I got a salad with cheese and an egg on it because I like weird stuff, and I saw egg, I'm like sold. I mean, it was phenomenal. I loved this, this restaurant. I would go back, like, I'd go back once a month if I could, and I can't, but, you know, I would if I could. Understanding that following Jesus is our purpose, right? Understanding that following Jesus is our purpose is the key to joy and deep, meaningful, long-lasting satisfaction. You might be asking, what's that have to do with the best meal I ate? Well, it's the difference between stuffing your face with junk food and eating the best meal you've ever had. One of them leaves you feeling empty and probably sick. One of them leaves you feeling deeply satisfied. Peter's story resonates with me so much. I see so much of myself in this because I have those moments of failure too. I have those moments of failure where God has warned me and I still choose the wrong thing, where I still fail. But I find tremendous hope in Peter's story because Jesus restored him, not because of what he'd done, but because of who Jesus was, not because of what he'd done, but because he loved him. My hope is in the fact that God still reaches out to me to bring me home, that he's promised me the same thing he promises Peter, that I will still use you. I have a purpose for you. Jesus didn't ask Peter to do complicated things, folks. He asked Peter to do simple things with big impact. Simple things. Follow me. What's God asking you to do? Seriously, what's God asking you to do? Where's Jesus asking you to follow him? Our purpose is to follow Jesus. Now, there's a big picture application to this, right? Our purpose as humans is to follow Jesus. We've been created to know him. We've been created to have a relationship with him. That is when we work the way that we were intended to work. Well, life just clicks in a different way because we're accomplishing the purpose God has put in us. But the question then becomes, all right, if that's my purpose as a member of humanity, what's my purpose individually? What's my specific purpose? It's different for each of us. What is it for you? Many years ago when I started in student ministry, I became good friends with one of our leaders named Joey. We got to be very close. I really liked this guy. And he had a small group of guys that went to Marple Newtown. 
And as we got to be friends, I learned more about his life and we were talking about his job and he, he worked at a financial services company and he didn't really, he didn't love it. He didn't hate it. He just was a job. And I find out that he'd passed up a number of promotions and opportunities to move into other departments. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? And his answer was, because I don't care. My identity is not in my job. My purpose is to invest in these guys, is to disciple these guys, is to walk with these guys, is to point these guys towards Jesus. I work so I can do that. I work so I can invest. I work here so I can do this over here. Man, that just challenged me so much because he had found and understood that his purpose was to follow Jesus and that his specific purpose as Joey was to invest in these guys and point them towards Jesus as well. What's your purpose? Maybe you're here and, and none of this makes sense or you have no idea where to start. I want to give you a couple suggestions. First is when you go into work tomorrow, when you're with your family this week, when you're in your neighborhood, are there people around you that are hurting? Is there a person who's struggling? Is there someone you can encourage? Ask God to show you who you can reach out to. Ask God to show you who you can connect with, support, and invite. Think about the things you're good at. Think about your strengths. Think about your passions. How can God use the way he's created you to serve others and to to serve him? Maybe a a great step for you would be to to check in at the connections desk and, and ask, how can I volunteer? Just begin to take that step. Where would be a good fit for me? Maybe it's coming to the next connections class that's coming up to figure out, all right, how can I start to, to get involved? And where is God using me so I can figure out what my purpose is? Whatever you do, my encouragement would be invite God in. Spend time with him in prayer. Think about where God is calling you to follow him in your specific life at this time and in this place. If you're new here with us and you're not convinced of this yet, that's okay. It's okay, we're glad you're here. We want you to understand the same thing we wrestle through, right? We all want to understand our purpose. My challenge to you would be pull on that thread. Ask those questions because we believe that that will lead you to Jesus. That that will lead you to Jesus. Our purpose isn't found in succeeding or achieving or accumulating or doing. Our purpose is found in following.